So Houston, we need to have a talk about driving. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of highways here in Houston. We have a lot of cars. We spend a lot of time on the road, don't we? We, we do. And yet what I've noticed is that though we spend a lot of time driving here as Houstonians, while we're driving, we seem to want to do anything other than actually drive. The number of people that I see as I drive around Houston, distracted as they drive, like scrolling their phone, is insane to me. I'm sure you've noticed it. None of us here or watching are guilty of that at all. But everybody else seems to have a real problem with this. When it comes to driving here in Houston, we want to do anything other than drive. We are so easily and so often distracted. Uh, for example, a handful of weeks ago, I'm driving on I-10 headed towards church, and the traffic has come to like an unusual slowdown. And I'm thinking, well, what's happened? Is there, is there an accident up ahead? Maybe there's a, a funeral procession. Maybe a cow has gotten loose and found its way into one of the 20 lanes of traffic. No, here's what happened. Someone was in the center lane going 30 miles an hour. And they were weaving side to side, and everyone was slowing down. You know why this person was going 30 miles an hour and they were weaving side to side? It's because they were driving hands-free, and it wasn't a test. They had their phone in one hand, scrolling, like you could see them going, oh, I wonder what my aunt said on Facebook. And then in the other hand, there was a sandwich. And again, they're not driving a Tesla. This was like a 2012 Kia. This is a two-hands-on-the-wheel kind of car. And that's what was causing the slowdown. We are so easily and so often distracted from the task at hand. The reason I bring that up is because today we're concluding a teaching series here on Reformation Day that we've been in for a handful of weeks called Warning Signs. And these are the things that God in his goodness, him being gracious to us, he gives us to warn us of trouble up ahead in our personal and spiritual lives. He wants us to have our eyes open to potential things that might be around us or that we ourselves might be doing that are warnings that we're headed for trouble. And here's the final warning sign. You are driving through life deeply distracted and you are avoiding important things that are on the road that you need to deal with. Look, your life is full of things you'd rather avoid. But so is mine. The road of life, so to speak, is full of things that you'd, you'd love to be distracted from and not have to actually lay your eyes on and drive toward. For example, let me give you a, a couple of things. One, you have hurts from your past that you don't want to deal with. If you watched season two of Ted Lasso, you know that they did a masterful job of illustrating how all of us carry wounds from our past into our present and how even if we don't realize it, it's causing ripple effects in our choices and in our relationships. We all carry hurts from our past that we don't want to deal with. We also all carry fears that we don't want to address. Your fear could be a big thing like your mortality. It could also be that you just fear failure or, or you're one of those people who fears not being in control. Whether it's a small thing or a big thing, You've got to control the thing. And fear of not having your hands on the wheel, that drives a lot of your life. Not only are we carrying fears with us, not only are we carrying hurts, 
But there are tasks in our life that we'd rather avoid. There are things that we know we should do that are just uncomfortable or downright awful that we don't want to do. There's a conversation with someone in your life that you know you need to have, but just the idea of it like makes your skin crawl, like, I know I need to say this to this person, but I just can't. Or there's a habit in your life that you know is unhealthy and unhelpful. You know you need to break it, but you just, you just can't. Or there is forgiveness that you need to extend, that you need to offer to somebody else because God has forgiven you and you know that that forgiveness is meant to not stop with you but flow through you to this person that you can't stand, but you can't even bring yourself to do it. Martin Luther, the the great reformer, he he once said, in reference to to all the dark and difficult things that we carry, he, he once said this. He said, I'm more afraid of my own heart than of the Pope and all his cardinals. I have within me the great Pope self. We all have deep, difficult issues that are beneath the surface, that are driving things and affecting things. We have hurts, we have fears, in here, and we also have these tasks out here that we don't want to deal with. Now, as I mentioned those three things, I realized that list could be a lot longer of the things that are on the road of life that we would rather be distracted from. But of those three that I mentioned, I want you just to reflect for a moment. If you had to pick one of those as the one that's probably most prominent on your road, which would it be? Would it be the hurts? Would it be the tasks? Would it be the fears? Now, you know what I'm going to say. What we typically do with these things is we distract ourselves from these things. And that's part of Paul's message in Ephesians 5, among other things. He talks about how followers of Jesus, and we talked about this in week one, are to keep their eyes on the road and stay engaged with this life of following after him and bringing all things, every choice, every action, every relationship into submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. But that's a difficult thing to do. Ephesians 5, he says this, Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, Paul mentions wine here, but he's not denouncing drinking per se. Of course, drunkenness is always a poor choice, a sinful choice. What Paul is denouncing here is distraction by way of substance. Remember, what he's talking about is is keeping your eyes on the road. And what he's saying is we are really creative in our efforts to avoid hurts, to avoid fears, to avoid difficult tasks that we don't want to do, and anything else that's on the list. We are really creative in avoiding the things that we know God would have us deal with and address. And so let's walk through some of those things. I mentioned substance already. One of the ways in which we distract ourselves from things we don't want to deal with is substances. And that's not to say that that you're necessarily an addict, but without even being an addict, you can use substances to numb yourself from dealing with things that you know you need to deal with. The other day I was talking to a guy that I know who is a recovering alcoholic, and he runs a very popular podcast about sobriety. And I was asking him about his journey and, 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 and what it's been like for him coming to terms with his addiction and now helping other people. And what he said to me was, Matt, what I realized is that I really, under the surface, I didn't have a drinking problem. I had a feeling problem. That's what's really underneath the surface for me. There were feelings that I had that I didn't want to have. And so I drank. 
There were also feelings that I wanted to have that I didn't know how to access until I drank. And so I drank. We use substances to distract ourselves from the things we really need to deal with. The second thing we use to distract ourselves in this day and age, and everybody will be able to relate to this, is we use screens to distract ourselves. We fill every quiet moment with some kind of digital activity. Those quiet moments that, that are meant to be moments where you think about big things, where you wrestle with deep things, you ponder or pray over important things that are in front of you on the road. We no longer have space for any of that. We fill all the quiet spaces with technology. You've done it 20 times already today. In the time between you got out of the car and came into church, check your phone. In between innings of the Astros losing last night, I know we're going to pray about it later, you checked your phone. <laughs> in between meetings at work, during the meeting at work, you check your phone. A lull in the conversation with someone that you say you love, you're looking them in the eyes like, uh-huh, 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 yeah, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. You check your phone. Manusha Zamarodi is a, a powerful woman in tech. She hosts the TED Radio Hour. She's written an awesome book called Bored and Brilliant. She, she put this on Twitter yesterday, uh, where, where she said, two days ago rather, where she said she believes that one of the reasons Facebook has become so powerful, and we're really wrestling with the power of the algorithms in Facebook recently, one of the reasons Facebook has become so powerful is because she believes that humankind, especially in the West, is terribly afraid of death. And what the algorithms in Facebook have figured out is how to have us fill our lives with immediate emotions rather than deal with deep and difficult things. And for people who are afraid of death, it's easier to scroll than reflect on mortality. And our digital masters know it. And they feast off it. So we use our screens to distract ourselves from the important things. Third, and maybe this resonates with you, we use productivity to distract ourselves. Productivity in passion projects. We take on side hustles, we do some extra work at work, or we get obsessively involved in our kids' sports, all so that we can say to ourselves, I know I haven't dealt with this, but I have done all of this. Does that get me a ribbon? Does that get me a prize? I know I've got this hurt or this fear or this other task that is totally something I should do, but rather than do that, I now have this hobby. Take a look. Of those things that I mentioned, which one resonates with you? What's your distraction of choice? Is it, is it a glass or four of wine after the kids go to bed? or a couple of gummies to cake the edge off every time you have some kind of uncomfortable thought or notion pass through your head? Or maybe, maybe it's checking TikTok every 20 minutes for 20 minutes at a time. Or maybe it's taking on yet another project, keeping your hands busy and your mind engaged so you don't have to think about any of the difficult things you don't want to address. You know, as a little side note, you know, one of the fallouts of our distraction is that our ability to stay engaged in anything as human beings is continuing to decrease. Uh, science is now telling us, and I was just reading an article about this a couple of days ago, science is now telling us that in, in the year 2000, 
the average American had a, an attention span of 12 seconds. So on average, an American would focus on something for 12 seconds before their mind diverted to something else and then maybe jumped back. 12 seconds. That was before everyone had a smartphone in their hand. Now, the average is eight seconds. Every eight seconds, we turn our attention to something else. To put that in perspective, science also can tell us that a goldfish has an average attention of nine seconds. <laughs> so, so you and I, we are losing the attention game to a pet that gets flushed down the toilet. What does that tell you? There are things in our life that we're supposed to address, wrap our arms around and deal with, but instead we distract ourselves. We distract ourselves with a, with a whole host of different things. What is it for you? What do you use to numb yourself from the idea of actually addressing the thing in front of you? Now, now the good news is this, that Jesus Christ actually frees us to deal with the difficult things on our road. Jesus frees us to deal with the hurts, and the fears, and the difficulties, and anything else that you can list. That's the good news. And, and that's what Paul is getting at in Ephesians, that, that those who are in Christ are free to be engaged in all the things that they would rather avoid. Think of it like this. Here, here's the role that Jesus plays in your life as you drive down the road of life. Um, do you know what the most distracting thing is for drivers on I-10 in the mornings and in the evenings? Do you know what the most distracting thing is? What is it? It's the sun. Some of you said it. That's exactly right. It's as if every Houstonian is surprised that every morning the sun rises, every evening the sun sets, and that it's going to attempt to burn out their retinas and cause a 30-car pileup. And yet there's this, this magical thing that can stop the, the slowdown that happens as people approach the sun over I-10 and they peer through their windows and they put their visor down and like, I can't see anything in front of me. I hope I don't get in a wreck. There's this amazing thing. You can, you can store, this, this miracle of technology you can actually like store in your glove compartment. The, it, it, you're not going to believe me. You can like, you put it on your face and it goes over your eyes. There's sunglasses. And all of a sudden, if you actually wear sunglasses while you drive, you can much more clearly, despite the bright, distracting sun, you can actually see the road and stay engaged with it. I have an idea. I think we should get together. As you can tell, I'm passionate about this. We should get together and get Mattress Mac. Rather than have him place $3.9 million bets on the Astros, we have him buy a pair of sunglasses for every single person in Houston. I, that's what I think we should do. That's going to help with the traffic issues a ton. Now, here's why I go on that rant. One, because I'm crazy. Number two, <laughs> the Christian life is one of engaging the issues in front of us. And what, what Jesus does, the person of Jesus, the promises of Jesus, the work of Jesus, what it allows us to do is see the road ahead and everything in front of us rightly. Who he is and what he's done becomes this, this lens over our eyes that, that filters out the distractions and allows us to see things clearly. It allows us to see our hurts as something that can have hope attached to them because of Jesus. It, it allows us to see our fears as things that have actually been conquered in Jesus. It allows us to see the difficult tasks as things that, that can be empowered and overcome 
and matured through as a result of, by Jesus. It allows us to see these things rightly. Romans chapter 8, Paul gives this beautiful summary of all that's true for those who have faith in Jesus. And for me, it's a beautiful picture of the lens of the gospel through which we are to look at the road ahead and see everything that we are to tackle. Romans chapter 8, Paul says this. Follow along with me. Beautiful, beautiful words. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or, or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the lens before your eyes through which you view all your difficulties. Now, there are those who say that religion is just another form of distraction. It's another way to distract yourself and numb yourself from the painful realities of life. There are those who say that. But that is not true of the Christian faith. Those who are in Christ are empowered to address these things. We stare at the fear, hurts, and the difficulties. See them for what they are. But as we look at them, we ask ourselves a particular question. Because Jesus Christ has lived for me. Because Jesus Christ has died for me. Because Jesus Christ has risen for me. Because Jesus Christ has given his own spirit to fill me. Because Jesus Christ has promised to come back and conquer all the things that are still bothering me. Because all of that in Christ is true for me and given to me. How should I now see this thing that's in front of me? Because all of Christ has done for me, what should I do about this thing in front of me? That's the question we ask. We don't distract ourselves. We look right at the thing and say, in light of Christ, how should I see this and what should I do about it? And I'm not saying that your, your hurts and your fears and your pains and your difficulties, they go away. But I will tell you this, when you view them through the lens of who Christ is and what he's done for you, they do get smaller. They become a little bit more manageable. They become a little more, more, more doable in light of the massive love of God in Jesus Christ that is yours. What's in front of you that you are avoiding? That you're distracting yourself from? Look at it through the lens of Jesus. Now, this assumes that you have those promises about who Jesus is and all that he's done close at hand. And I'm not naive enough to think that that's true for all of us. In fact, the biggest area of growth for many of us is becoming more deeply rooted in the truths of who Jesus is. That's why Paul says this in Colossians chapter 3. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, one of the reasons we're so easily distracted is because we don't have these promises deeply rooted within us. When Paul says that word dwell, it could also be translated as take residence extravagantly. Let the word of Christ take up extravagant residence in you. 
Have you ever had someone come and stay with you at your house for a really long time? And they bring all their stuff with them? And then you find some of their stuff in each room of the house? It's delightful, isn't it? Well, a more positive version of that is is what Paul is talking about. The truth of who Jesus is and what he's done and all that's true for you, taking up residence in every room of your heart and your mind so that you can't help but see him as you stare at the hurt from your past, at the fear in your present, at the difficult task in front of you. Now, now how do you get it to dwell more richly? Well, Well, Paul says this is something we have to grow in over the course of time. But when he talks about dwelling richly in the word of Christ, he points to corporate worship. He points to gathering like this, that the way in which we grow and become more deeply rooted in the truth of Jesus is by gathering together, singing together, hearing the word together, learning together, that there's something about this in flesh and blood gathered together that gets us more deeply rooted in the person and the truths of Jesus. Now, I understand that that people have a lot of reasons for, for not being at church very often or perhaps not being here at all for a really long time. I know it's been a crazy world that we've lived in for the last 20 months or so. I get that. I know you have your reasons, but here's what else I know, that if you're not here very regularly or you're not here at all, and I say this with love, what I know is that though you have your reasons, you also do not have truth as deep rooted in your whole person as it could possibly be. Because there's something about being here together, regularly, joyfully, that cements these truths deep within us. It's that important. Now, we also live in a world where we can accentuate that rootedness that comes through corporate worship with a whole lot of other things. You know, the the impact of the Reformation lives on as we use new technologies to accentuate our lives of faith, not replace corporate worship, but accentuate a life of getting rooted in Jesus through corporate worship. We have things like apps and devotionals and podcasts, and, and I'm a big believer in these things. I use them to accentuate my own faith in becoming deeply rooted and letting the word of Christ dwell richly in me. In fact, I put together a list that I would like to share with you. If you want a list of some really good resources to accentuate your life of faith, just head on the screen or take a screenshot of, of what you see up there, and, and that will take you to a whole fantastic I use and I use on a regular basis. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. A story was told by a pastor of a visit he made to one of his parishioners, a parishioner who hadn't been at church in several months. And so the pastor went to his house, knocked on the door, and the the door opened, and he walked in and found his parishioner sitting in front of the fireplace, quiet. And so he walked into the house, and there were some initial pleasantries, but he He closed the door behind him, walked into the house, and just sat next to his parishioner staring at the fire, and they sat there quietly for what seemed like a long time. And then eventually, the pastor got up, and he walked over to the fire, and he he took a a pair of tongs that were next to the fire, and he, he grabbed an ember from that fire, and he pulled it out, and he set it on the hearth away from the fire. 
And as he stepped back and sat in his chair, that red ember cooled and blackened. And then he and the man, they sat there quietly for another hour. And then eventually the pastor told the man that he needed to leave, and so he got up and he grabbed that pair of tongs and he picked up that black ember and he put it back in the fire and both men watched as it became red and hot and glowing again from the heat from the other embers. And as the man went to leave, the parishioner stood up and he put his hand out to the pastor and he said, thank you for the sermon. I'll see you on Sunday. You can't see the world rightly unless the word of Christ is dwelling richly so that at every turn it is before your eyes and so you interpret every hurt, every pain, every fear through the lens of who Christ is and what he's done. T.S. Eliot once wrote this about modern people. This was his quote. He said, as modern people, we are distracted from distraction by distraction. He wrote those words about modern people in 1936, back when the attention span was probably 15 minutes. Now we're losing the goldfish. If you distract yourself from the things that are on the road in front of you, it doesn't get rid of the things on the road, it just makes them that much more dangerous to you. So my question for you this week, my homework for you this week, is to wrestle with this. As you, as you go to work, both hands on the wheel, ponder this question. What are the hurts that I carry with me? What are the fears in front of me? What's the difficult task that's being avoided by me? And as you wrestle with that, know that I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying that, that you would be deeply rooted in the person of Jesus, that you would see all things through the lens of his love and his victory, and that you would look at every hurt, at every fear, at every difficulty as an opportunity for your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to show his strength as you stay on the road, as you wrap your arms around those things, and you do whatever you need to do to deal with them. We pray. Heavenly Father, life is filled with things that we would rather not think about and rather not do. And yet you've told us in your word to discern what your will is. And we know that you would have us be a people who are engaged in applying the truths of Jesus' victory to every single thing, especially the difficult things. Father, we, we pray that you would give us strength this week to recognize the things that we are avoiding and distracting ourselves from and enable us to put away the distractions and to apply the truths of Jesus' victory to every single thing in our life. And we realize that in some parts of our life, that might mean as we apply the truth of Jesus that we might need to get help for something, that we might need to call in some reinforcements, we might need to talk to a professional, we might need to just reach out and share with a friend. We, we, we rarely can deal with these things alone, but, but Father, we, we pray that you would show us what the next steps are in order to deal with hurts 
and fears and difficult tasks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.